We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Coachable Podcast. Around here, we believe that life is the ultimate training ground for finding out what you are truly made of. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, high performance coach and breathwork facilitator. And each week, I share intimate conversations and inspirational stories from some of the world's most successful people. It's time to stop standing on the sidelines of your life and get your head and your heart back in the game. So take a seat, grab a pen, because you're going to want to take notes as I pull back the curtain on the tools, resources, and inspiration that you need to unlock your inner champion. Before we jump into this week's episode, I do want to say thank you to our sponsor, Organifi, which is a line of organic superfood blends that offer plant-based nutrition and high-quality ingredients with less than three grams of sugar. I absolutely love Organifi because, as you guys know, I'm traveling these days across the country, and I need something that's convenient but works. And with their uh, incredible travel size packets, this works really, really well for me being on the go. You can get their Organifi Greens, their Organifi Red, or what I love, the Organifi Gold, and make sure that not only does it taste good, but you're getting the superfoods that are essential for your diet to reduce stress and reset your morning into your routines. I absolutely love all of their products. So if you go to Tori, uh, to Organifi.com slash Tori Gordon and use the code Tori20, you will get 20% off all of your order. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Coachable Podcast. You're in for a treat this week because we have none other than Chris Gronkowski, the middle of the five Gronkowski brothers, and he is best known for his time in professional sports in the NFL with the Dallas Cowboys, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Denver Broncos, and he is not just an ex-athlete. He's so much more than that. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's known for being the CEO, creator, and founder of Ice Shaker, which was seen on Shark Tank not too long ago and even scored an epic deal with Mark Cuban. Congratulations on all your success, Chris, and just thank you for being here and spending some time with us, sharing your your secrets for how do we achieve the level of success you've been able to do, but just welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the first question I have for you, just as a sports lover and football lover myself, what was it like growing up in your family as a family of five in general? I mean, that's that's a (laughs) lot of boys running around, but also so many of you being incredible athletes. 
what was that dynamic like? And did you guys know since you were little that you were just going to be who you've become? I mean, did you know you had it in you all along? Yeah, so going going back to the early days, we were born and raised in Buffalo, New York. So um, a lot of snow, a lot of snow, and a lot of brawls is what it came down to. But five boys in a household, we fought over everything you can imagine. I mean, it could be you know who could eat faster, you know, who got the last bite on the plate. You know yeah. that that would all just turn into hey, you lost, I won, and then a brawl would break out. So every day became a fight uh, over everything. You know, we played a lot of just games in the backyard, games in the basement. We were that house where everyone came over and we had multiple friends over every single day and it just bred competition. So early on, um, we knew we were good at sports, had no idea that it would convert even to college. Yeah. Uh, when my older brothers got scholarships, it was like, wow, you know, that's amazing. They're one of the very few in the, all of New York to get scholarships for, for football. And um, you know, that's kind of when it sparked it for me and the other brothers, the, my younger brothers that... You know, there's a chance to at least go to college and get a scholarship, which was pretty cool. But going to the NFL level, I personally had no, no, I thought there was no chance. I, mean, I, I was told over and over, do the best you can in school. Um, I think they, they kind of overemphasized that a little too much because I thought there was absolutely no chance I could get there because that's all I heard. You know, mm. one in a million, you know, get your schoolwork done. Uh, there's, you know, maybe your, your brother who's really, really good. One of the five might make it, but um you know, you better better get your schoolwork done. So that's what I always focused on. Uh, had really good grades. It actually helped me get into college uh, because of some other players dropped out, failed out, couldn't get in because of their grades. And I got a last minute scholarship offer. Hmm. Wow. I mean, that call to get the scholarship, say, actually, your dream's going to come true, had to be a big deal. And you've had, I imagine, several moments in your career like that, where you're, you're, getting that opportunity to do what you love and you've done that in sports, but also now in business, what has been your biggest accomplishment of all the things that you do? What are you like most proud of that, that you've been able to achieve so far? Yeah. First, first was for sure. Make it to the NFL. Um, went undrafted to the Dallas Cowboys. I got there, was told from day one that an undrafted player hadn't made the roster in 10 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, ended up making the roster that year as an undrafted free agent rookie, playing in the NFL, um, ended up getting four credited seasons, which it gave me retirement, yeah. uh, gave me pension, retirement, gave me all these benefits, and that was huge. So definitely from an athletic side, massive accomplishment. Yeah. Uh, now what I consider success now is um, you know, when my team wins. That's that's kind of my big, my big accomplishments now is – as a team with the business now, when we hit our goals every year, that's like our big win. We hit all of our goals for 2021. Uh, everyone gets, you know, gets super excited. They get hit their bonus of dollars, all that. And it's, it's huge. That's, that's kind of my big accomplishments now is just building a team mm -hmm. and the team winning every year. Yeah. I mean, that synergy to being on a team or creating a team where there is that, that connection, the collaboration, you, can feed off of each other. There's that energy and inspiration, motivation every day to get up and do the work, whatever that work might be. What are the, the biggest challenges that you faced as a business owner, building a team, but also just in your career in general? Like, have you been on teams where the, that synergy like didn't exist? And if so, how did that play out? Like, how did that impact performance? 
Yeah, I mean, at the in the football world, definitely. Um, I was on some of the most talented teams that we didn't win with. My rookie year, I was on a Dallas Cowboys team that they were predicting to win the Super Bowl. We started one and seven. Hmm. Uh, so the dynamic, the team dynamic just wasn't there. The talent was there. Yeah. The leadership, the team dynamic just wasn't there. Uh, same with business. I, I would say the same thing. My first four years in business, I didn't focus on the team. I was super competitive. Um, coming out of the NFL, I'm competing in everything I do. Yeah. And I wanted to do everything myself. So I tried to take on everything. I was working probably over 100 hours a week. Thought I was doing the right thing and realized at the end of the day, after four years, after talking to mentors, after talking to people that have been there, done that, that I was just hurting myself. I was actually holding the team back because I was trying to do everything myself instead of giving them responsibilities and making them a part of the team. So wow. uh, I saw it from both sides. Yeah. Building I, a team is essential. I so relate to that because... And I'm curious what you think about this. When I was younger, I didn't play at the collegiate level. I could have. I decided not to. I was, I played all types of sports. But ultimately, my sport of choice was, was softball. And I was a pitcher. And as a kid that started playing sports at five years old, and I, start, I started to pitch around 10 or 11, um, I learned and started to adopt this mentality that leadership was synonymous or was associated with control because I felt like I was in control of the game because I touched the ball every, every play and I was involved. I wanted to be involved in, in everything uh, on the field. And somewhere along the way, as I started to build my own business and got into relationships and all that, I started to notice this correlation between needing to control and needing to be involved in everything um, and thinking that that was me leading. And what I realized is I actually had developed this complex of not being able to trust anybody, that I only trusted myself to lead the game, to lead the team, to whatever. And I didn't know how to lean on other people and rely on other people who were really critical parts of the whole team and the success of the team. I'm curious, like what you think about that and how it relates to giving up that the reins, surrendering some of those tasks in your business and delegating when it feels like you just want to have your hand in every project and every piece of, of the business. Yeah, I was the exact same way. <clears throat> I, I felt like I was almost like, Hey, I'm, I'm, taking the responsibility off me and dumping it on someone else. Yeah. And I felt awful doing it. It was like, I felt like I was, you know, just putting all this additional work on people that, uh, you know, that I, I felt like I should be doing. Mm -hmm. So at first I had a, a lot of issues with it, but once I started doing it, the response was incredible. They felt like they were part of the team. Now they were making decisions with me instead of, you know, me just trying to do everything myself. So they now felt like they were a part of the company. And all of a sudden that team framework started coming in and it just started going up and we started really excelling. And then that's also kind of when it clicked and I talked to some, some other people, my dad who's been in business for 32 years and just asked those same questions, you know, what took you to that next level? And everyone had the same answer. You know, it, it wasn't the product, you know, they can compare my product to really everything else out there. The quality is the same. The function is the same. It was all about the team that you're building around it mm -hmm. that takes you to that next level. So once I realized that, 
and I started delegating and everyone started responding and we started putting team goals in place that weren't just individual goals, but hey, your commission, your bonuses, everything's based on how the whole team does now right. instead of just how you do. All of a sudden, everyone started working as a team mm -hmm. and we just really, we really grew a lot yeah. uh, over the past year when we restructured it to be more of a teamwork kind of atmosphere instead of an individual. Yeah, because I think there's, you know, you know what you can bring to the table. You know what you're capable of. And I, we assume like, oh, I'll take all the responsibility. It was like being the kid in school that was like, oh, I'll do the school, the group project. And instead yep. of like <laughs> actually letting everybody participate and that can't, and has been a challenge for me as well. And something I'm leaning into in my own business, there's also something to be said, I think, for having great mentors and coaches and people who can be that example for you and help you to see the blind spots that you might not see in your own life or business. Like, Speak to that and the power of mentorship, coaches, um, investors, uh, you know, people now that have done what you want to do and you're learning from, from their experience. How has that, that shaped you? Yeah. So I think this is common with a lot of people. When you first start the business, you don't want to listen to anyone else. You, know, you think you can take on the world by yourself. You don't think you need partnerships or help or mentors. And I was exactly like that. Uh, my dad from day one tried to help me. Uh, I didn't listen to anything he was saying. Just, you know, I'm going to do this myself. I'll yeah. figure it out myself. And he, everything that I then came back to him four years for, or four years later for, he already tried telling me from day one, mm -hmm. but I just didn't listen. So uh, it took me about four years to really realize how important networking was, how important mentors were. And, uh, and then I started reaching out myself, you know, trying to connect with these people that have been there, done that, have been super successful with it. And there's a lot of great examples of it. And when you're there and, you know, you get to that level, you, you don't mind helping others out as long as they're willing to put the work in. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if they can see that you actually care, that you're actually gonna do what they tell you, they're gonna they're gonna help you out. It's just human nature to help someone out who's actually trying and putting the work in and trying to get to that next level. So, uh, mentors are huge. If you have someone like that that you can lean on, definitely do. But you also have to be to the right spot to actually listen to the advice. I mean, super early on, I didn't have the data, I didn't have the people. I really couldn't put some of the stuff in motion mm -hmm. uh, that was my dad was at, was telling me to do just because we were so young. You do have to grind it out yeah. for a little bit and kind of figure things out a little bit. And you got to get some cash flow going, make sure that the business is actually going to work. And then you could start really digging down. You had the data now. It's been a year and you can start really game planning and putting a budget in place at that point. Yeah. And what you just touched on is so important and really the, the basis for my work, this podcast, this brand in general, which is like, you have to be coachable. You have you can't ask for advice or ask for for insights and then not be willing to take them, right? And thinking that we know it all is really going to prohibit us from being able to go to the next level because we're not willing to learn. We're not willing to to do anything differently. And I think that's one of the huge pitfalls that so many people fall into is kind of letting our ego get the best of us and and not being a student again and and kind of allowing yourself to be a beginner and and be a sponge and just absorb what you need to in order to, to get it off the ground. Um, tell us, like, I'd love to hear the story of um, how you started iShaker, how you got uh, on to Shark Tank and what that experience was like. Like, what, what really inspired you to create this product? 
Yeah, Shark Tank was absolutely amazing. Uh, so I started the product for something that I was looking for for myself. Uh, I was done with the NFL. I was going to the gym every day, sometimes twice a day. I was here in Texas. It's super hot. By the time I got there, the bottle was sweating. The ice was melting. I was taking a sip of it. It tasted awful. It was absorbing like the, the drink I had from the day before into the plastic and went home that day. And it was kind of like one of those things where this sounds like a great idea. I haven't seen one before, but I'm sure there's a whole bunch of them online. So go to Amazon, I go to Google and I'm looking for just an insulated bottle that I can actually you know, dump a powder into and mix it. And at that time there was just nothing out there. So uh, decided right then and there, hey, I'm gonna make the best bottle that I can for myself that I could really use for everything. It wasn't just for the gym, but I wanted to bring it to work as a water bottle, then bring it to the gym, use it at home, use it by the pool, travel with it. I was just a simple guy. I'm like, I just want one cup. At the end of the day, I could wash it. I don't have 10 in the sink. And that was the goal. So started on this journey. Sounds super simple. Sounds like the easiest thing ever. Um, ends up being 20 prototypes later, going back and forth and finally get this product probably probably about eight months after uh, I think of the idea. So six months into it, um, decide to try to get on ABC Shark Tank. And this all came about and was kind of game planned out actually because I had an email almost four years previous in 2012 uh, when I was with the Denver Broncos, my agent sent out an email just to all the players saying, hey, ABC Shark Tank is looking for any current or former NFL players. Mm -hmm. If you have an idea and you want to check it out, you want to try to get on the show, email this girl here. So four and a half years later, I send the email back and uh, she simply responds with like, hey, sorry, I don't work there anymore. And I was like, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense yeah. that you're not there four and a half years later. So uh, follows up about 10 minutes later, connects me with the girl who took her spot. At that point, it was a video submission. And then um, after that, they liked it, they approved it. And then it was probably a couple months of just um, going back and forth. You know, they start with 40,000 submissions and they got to get it down to maybe about 100 actually mm -hmm record maybe about 150 so it's a it's a long process and it definitely uh is done well a lot of a lot of diligence a lot of paperwork and finally got to that day to to record probably about three months later wow so uh, leading up to that i imagine there's a lot of anticipation almost like a game like you're preparing for this like yeah, like the game of your life this is like the pitch of your life you're going to be on national tv the lights are shining in your face. Like what's that moment like and how, because I want to talk about performing under pressure yeah. and how do you show up in those moments when everything's on the line or it feels like it and you get out there and you do what needs to get done as opposed to crumbling under the weight of kind of that expectation or the pressure at the moment. Like, how did you manage that for yourself? Yeah, it, it's the same same thing as in sports. Um, you know, in football, you watch a lot of film, you prepare, you do everything you can, and hmm. that allows you to play fast. So in, in sports or in football, at least, you know, if you're thinking you're not playing and you're not able to play fast if you're thinking. So you have to know all the answers before the play even starts. Uh, in football, a guy can walk up to the line, he can blitz, you know, this guy can shift. And if you don't know the answer, you're frozen. Yeah. And that's the same way with pitch, you know, pitching in, in business. They're going to throw stuff at you that you don't know. But if you're ready, if you're 100% confident, you're going to have the answer ready. And, and you're going to be able to show confidence even if you are a little shaky. Because you're going to be nervous no matter what mm -hmm. you know, in big moments because that's just human nature. But if you prepare, 
you're going to be ready for it. So I watched every single episode. I wrote down every question that the Sharks had ever asked, and I had an answer ready for it. Yeah. You know, Mr. Wonderful was up there. I was ready for the, hey, what's stopping me from making the Mr. Wonderful shaker? Mm-hmm. You know, really every hard question he ever had, I was, you know, I had it written down. I was ready for it. Yeah. Sometimes they throw out just um, crazy offers. And, and so I had written down exactly, you know, how far it would go with certain offers that they've done in the past. And, and I was ready for everything. So because of that, everyone asked me like, weren't you nervous? And I was like, yeah, I wasn't for sure. I was nervous. And they're like, well, you look so confident. Like you look so calm on stage. And you know, the, the reason for that was because I was super well prepared for it. Yeah. I hope you guys are listening because that is so valuable and important is let's just like do your due diligence, do the work to be prepared for those moments. And you know, that's, Part of that is knowing kind of one, the value of preparation and also being willing to fall in love with that process, even when it doesn't feel sexy or glamorous or whatever, you know, what, did you feel like there was ever a point where you resisted just doing the work, like the stuff that just has to get done? to get where you need to be? And how do you work through through that resistance when it does come up where there's like, or for you, is it just like, yes, I know what I need to get done every day. You've just got it like nailed down. You've got your routines. Or do you still face some of that sometimes where it's like, I'd rather not show up oh. and get the workout in and do the thing that needs to get done. That's, I mean, that's, that's everyone I would think. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter how motivated you are how much you love it, um, at some point that's going to happen. And so for me, what I found is, especially as an entrepreneur, like there's going to be stuff thrown at you every day where you're like, I was definitely not planning for this, had no clue was coming, throws off your whole day. Uh, So for me, what I do and and really uh, to get things done, at least the top most important things that have to be done today, I put them on a calendar Mm -hmm. and I schedule that time out during the day. And that's time where you know, you, I can't be bothered. You know, if I have to get this done, if it's on my calendar, it's getting done no matter what today. So I have, I have lists that I write out every day. Uh, they're ranked by importance. If it has to get done today. It's at the top. If it's something that has to be done, but it has some time you know, I'm, I'm going to put it lower down. And then, you know, there's stuff that I'm, I want to get done, but I don't need to get done. It's kind of more of my wants and I'll put that lower down on the list. But if I have this list, it's going to get done at some point. Whereas if I don't, it's kind of like, hey, oh, there's nothing to do right now. I'll just, I'll just, you know, go chill or go grab some lunch or whatever sure. it is. So, really, listing stuff and putting it on a calendar has been huge. Even down to social media, you know, posts. Like, if if I have it on my calendar, I'll take time. Yeah, you know, I'll take ten minutes to make a TikTok post. Mm-hmm. If I don't have it on there, I, I might just not do it that day. I'll forget about it. I'll do something else. Someone else will call me. So, uh, really, just just scheduling it is what it comes down to. That will always always get the job done, even when you don't want to do it. Yeah. That's helped me so much as well. I mean, the discipline goes out the door when I see my calendars wide open and free. So if I have things <laughs> on, on the calendar and I know it's almost like I have to show up for this appointment or like I've, I have something that's, uh, that needs my attention as opposed to not having it on the calendar. Yeah. Out of sight, out of mind for me. So I completely relate to that. Um, I think it just gives you a sense of urgency too. Uh, This is how I kind of relate it to is it's like you have a test, right? In college and, or even high school, whatever it is. And uh, you end up cramming like the night before, right? And that's kind of how the schedule is too. If I have an hour on there, 
to get this task done and there's only 15 minutes left, it's like, all right, I got to lock in. I got to buckle down. I have to get this done right now. So it's, it's just a sense of urgency. Yeah. It's kind of like you're studying for the test at the last second. Yeah. Well, and that urgency, it is a motivator. It, it really is because like what pain will I experience if I don't get it done? It's like pain motivates us to get going a lot of times. And <laughs> at the time. beginning, you know, it doesn't have to be the only motivator, but it, it is, it's really helpful to get us going at the beginning. Sometimes we need that. And for a lot of us, it's like, for me, it was pain that got me out of a a period of my life where I was like, I've got to do something different. You know, I've got to show up differently to my life. I've got to make some different choices, change some habits. Um, and, and that's huge. So I'm curious, like what have been as a business owner, some of the biggest um, lessons that you've learned or, or mistakes that you've made, um, and learned from over the last few years? Yeah, a, a lot, <laughs> a lot of mistakes. Um, I can go back to day one. Uh, we had this product 20 prototypes later, uh, I put a big order in, received the product and half of them are defective. Mm. Uh, I have to individually go through and change out every lid in the upstairs of my house for the next three months. And, um, you know, it, it was just a, a huge, just learning lesson right from day one. Hey, this has to be inspected. Third parties need to come in. Everything has to be perfect. Double check before it actually goes out. And that, that ends up you know, happening with everything in business. At some point, there has to be a process in place mm-hmm. so that it doesn't happen again. So um, day one, I learned that. Uh, it then as it went on, I just kept kind of learning that lesson again. Like, hey, if something wrong goes happens, there's got to be a process in place to fix it. Yeah. Or the mistake's just going to keep on happening. So uh, that's every day. Every day something still pops up where it's like, hey, there's still something wrong here. Let's find a way to put something in place so it never happens again. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. Like standardizing those processes so that as you grow, people, new people know too, how, how do we handle this? Because that's the, that's the goal, right? That we want to grow that team. We want to grow the revenue. We want to grow the brand. Um, where are you guys at today in terms of that growth? And like, where do you see yourself down the line? Like what's the, the big goal and vision that you have for iShaker and everything that you're doing? For sure. Yeah. So uh, part of the goal is and what makes you a lot more valuable is to be able to leave and everything still run exactly like you are, you're still there. Yeah. So, uh, that was a huge problem for me. And in another, another yeah. big uh, thing that I learned is that, you know, first off, if you're ever going to sell your business or if there's ever going to be any value there, you got to be able to sell it and still have it run without yep. you being there Yeah. or else you're the whole value. And that's, that's it. So, and you you're have a slave to, this to your business. Essentially. Absolutely. It, and that was me. That was me for four years. I mean, I didn't leave. I didn't take a vacation. Uh, everyone was dependent on me. Yeah. And then I realized that you know, I have to put these processes in place where, you know, if I want to go or if something happens to me or if I want to sell this thing, I'm not I'm not the only thing making it run. It, mm-hmm. it can still run 100 percent without me. So that's that's been um, really, yeah. really a focus of mine as well is really building this the right way with the processes with the people in place. So if someone does leave, Hey, if someone gets a new job or something happens and they got to leave the next person steps right in and they know exactly what to do. Sure. Yeah. I, I can attest to that because as much as you, you have a product, you also are a personal brand like you too. So people know you and your face and your name 
and there's your product's a representation of you to some degree. And so when you have those mistakes or you have those those things that happen that you need to correct, you almost I, I would imagine because I take it this way, it's like it's a reflection of me. And so I there's a sense that I really want to make sure that this gets corrected and that this is the best expression of, of who I am and what we can offer. But at the same time, in order to scale, in order to get it to a point where it's either at a point where I can sell it or you can be autonomous, like you can have your life and your family and go have your vacations, it requires those systems and processes to be set up. Um, you're sort of in that like, coach role now i mean as ceo you're no longer just on the field like you're the one that's kind of building the team how has that has that been a i mean imagine it's kind of a a transition of just being the one that's taking taking signals and like doing your job as opposed to being the one that kind of oversees the entire team and project yeah huge huge transition for me Cause I was always a guy that was, I'm willing to do the work. You know, I'm, I'm willing to work hundred hours a week. I like the grind. You know, the day goes by pretty fast when you're, you're grinding all day. Yep. And that's what I was used to. I, I mean, as an athlete all day, every day, you know, we're out there, we're working, watching film and you know, that's what I was used to. So to step back was hard. It, it took a lot. It took, first off, it took kids, uh, taught me a lot of patience and I had to mm-hmm. pull myself away from the business a little bit once I had children. And then uh, the pandemic as well. The pandemic stopped me from being able to do as much as I was able to and made me realize that I have to put these these processes in place and, mm-hmm. and build a team at this point. So I am the coach now. And that's exactly how I looked at it after four years. Step back, ask some mentors, talk to some people and said, you know, what should my role be? You know, should I be waking up at 4 a.m. and go into the warehouse and engraving this last minute order? No, there should be all kinds of processes in place. So that never happens. You know, if there's an emergency, there's someone else already lined up to get in there and, and do it. Your job now is to build the team. You know, that's what yeah. a CEO is. He is the coach. You know, he's building the team. He's looking at the future. He's really just, he's driving the ship. And, and that's, that was hard for me at first because I felt like if you're not physically doing some kind of work, like, like you're, you're, you're not working is almost yeah. what it feels like at first. And you kind of feel bad about it. And then you step back and you realize wow, yo, after one year of me doing this, we exploded. Like this thing is going the right way. Mm-hmm. Everything's on the right path. It's, it's been a, just a complete game changer. So yeah. it, you gotta, you gotta take on that role if you want to grow your business. Yeah. It's, it is such a transition because it's out of the, um, you being like you focused and I'm just here to get my job done to, us, we, we are the collective, we're the team. And I here am here to like help cast that vision for where we're headed and point like to your point, the ship and I'm directing that path, but we're all collectively going to get there together. And, you know, one of the things I love about what, what I've learned in my experience is, is a business owner too, and building a team is what you have like 12 or so, 15, I don't know, uh, full-time employees. So that's, that team's growing. I don't have any full-time people. I've got several, lots of contractors all over, but that I was, I was really good at managing myself and my day to day, but I was kind of a crappy leader, you know, when it came to the whole group. But one of the things I've leaned into was to lead is to demonstrate and to go first and to say, Hey, this is, 
where we're headed. This is what we're doing. This is why. And really get people to buy into the vision and of where things are headed. Uh, Nick Saban, who I've grown up watching and obviously was is head coach at Alabama and where I grew up in Tuscaloosa, I am just so inspired and like intrigued by his his like coaching ability to get people to buy into a culture and because there is a culture on a sports team and there's a culture in a business and after I left corporate I realized like what culture is for me and before I answer that I'm curious I don't want to put any words in your mouth I know what I I've come to know that is but what does company culture mean to you or culture in general, whether it's on a sports team or in business? Yeah. So for me, it's when one person wins, everyone wins mm. is what it comes down to. That's, that's how I wanted to build the culture. And previous to this, um, when I first started, it wasn't like that. So for instance, my sales team would get a big order and it would be a custom engraved order. The engraving team would have to come in and Hey, work, work extra hours on a Friday or whatever it is. And the sales guy is pumped. You know, he's, he's super pumped about sure. it. And then the fulfillment team is sitting there, you know, pissed off. Yeah. And it was like, this culture doesn't make any sense to me. You know, there's gotta be a way to build it so that when one of us win, we all win. Everyone's right. excited about it. I mean, you know, that's, that's how it has to be. So it bothered me so much to see that, mm-hmm. that I had to find a way to change it. So we realigned everything. All the goals were set as a team after that. Mm. And now when a big order comes in, everyone's pumped up. Yeah. You know, the fulfillment team's now calling the sales team like, yo, yo, how did you close that? That's amazing. I love this company we're working with. Mm. Yo, get another big one in. Yo, let's keep this thing going. So yeah. that's how I define culture is when one person wins, everyone wins on the team. And, and that's, that's how it's got to be. That's how it is in the locker room. And you got to bring yeah. that same locker room feel into the business. Yeah. And I'm curious how you did that. Was it like through incentivizing or rewarding people? Like not the sales guy doesn't just get rewarded, but the whole team does. And there's an incentive for all of us work together to make sure that that, that happens. I mean, how did you bridge that gap? Cause I would imagine if I'm, I I was always the salesperson. So I love bringing in the orders, (laughs) but there was always a back end support operations team that was like, now we've got to fulfill this and make it happen. And the salesperson's like, I need it now. And I need it by this day. And I want to over deliver and operations people. Y'all are just taking orders. (laughs) Yep. And and yeah, there's always a rush on it. There's Mm -hmm. always something little extra that that the sales guy wants you to do for him too. So yeah, incentivize everything. Uh, I went back to what my dad did. Uh, his whole business is, is pretty much based on incentives. I uh, read a couple books. Gino Wickman has a good one on EOS systems. Okay. But finding a way to incentivize people with, you know, it, it doesn't have to be any, anything crazy. Sometimes it's, hey, if we all hit our goals this month, it's it's a party you know, mm, on Friday or sure. half day off or whatever it is. So uh, just find what people, what makes people tick. And then, you know, that's that's kind of how we've we've tried to incentivize. And yeah. it's it's worked out really well. And it, sometimes it's hard to think of a way to do it. Sure. So you, you got to kind of get a little creative with it, but yeah. there is always some kind of performance metric that you can base it on yeah. um, and, and people can hit their goals with. Because at the end of the day, no matter how much someone gets paid, it always feels better when you get paid because you performed and hit a goal mm. is what I've, what I've noticed. So you can pay someone the same exact amount, but half of it or, or 20% of it was a bonus because they hit a certain goal. They are so pumped about it. And they're so excited to come back to work and hit that goal again or beat that goal mm. versus someone that you just like, give them a flat salary sure. and, hey, 
you know, they actually made more money, but you know, there was, they were going to make it no matter what. There, now, there was no incentive for them. Is that true in football? Like if you score a touchdown, do you get a bonus? So not touch. Well, yeah, you can, uh, you do have incentives in your contract. Uh, my brother just got, he got his, his Millie, he got his Millie, uh, on the last game of the year, but, uh, amount of receptions and then amount of, uh, touchdowns. And then also the amount of yards you can base it on. Some guys have playoff bonuses as well. Cool. Uh, but as a, as a player, you also, what they call it is, um, uh, what's the name of it now? But you do, you do get paid per play as well. So, um, if you, get paid less than everyone else on the team, you actually get more per play. So there are incentives in there just to get on the playing field as well. Well, that's so interesting that even in sports, like those are some of the things that, that someone like me wouldn't know, but it's built into the contract to incentivize people. And yeah, that reward does feel so good when you hit that goal. You know, for me, I think culture, whether it's in, business, sports. I know in a corporate world before I started my business, like culture was to me, it's like how it felt to work there. Like the culture might be an unspoken culture, but it's like, how does it feel to work for you? How does it feel to play for you? How does it feel to be on your team? And sometimes culture isn't what we think it is. You know, we like to think we have an amazing culture, but then, you know, there were people that were on our corporate team was like, actually, I don't feel like I matter at all. I don't feel like my voice has any power that like, I'm just a cog in the wheel. And that's something I always keep in mind how I felt when I was part of large, larger teams. And how do you still make uh, people feel valued and important and care? Because ultimately what you were talking about in terms of incentivizing your team and making it a win for all is how do we make people care about something we care about so much? How do we make people care about doing a job, a great job or delivering an amazing service or product? How do we make people care? And I think that's what really good leaders do um, is we make people care about the things that we care about. Absolutely. Yeah. One thing, the one thing I recently did as well to really bring it more in and make it more of a team was just like a monthly company newsletter. Mm. Uh, I did at the end of the year, kind of just updating everyone on what's going on, our big wins for the month, what we have coming, new products, new partnerships. And the response from it was, it was huge. And it, you know, people were excited about it, but then, you know, they're calling up their family members like, Hey, you got to see what we have coming next. Like, so that whole culture, I mean, I think it changed too, just by giving people more transparency, sure. like give them, give them a little bit more of what's coming. And, and yeah they they get super excited about it as well so that's something that we started to implement for this year as well was just you know really keeping our full team uh up to date on what we have going on and they yeah. get they definitely get excited about it. they see a future as well they see mm -hmm. us growing and, and they're excited to be a part of it yeah that's so key so you're all about getting better every single day that's why you're here on this show that's why you are where you are in your life and all of your successes whether it's your family your business your, your football career, you've done so much. What can you give to our audience in terms of advice on how do we get better every single day? What's, do you have any tips on how you just 100%. make Absolutely. progress little by little? Yeah. It, it, for me, it, it, and I was so bad at this too. And that's why <laughs> I love telling people this, but, um, 
it's all about having a plan, getting it on a calendar, getting it on paper. I mean, a great example for me is I was 245 pounds when I stopped playing. (laughs) I lost over 30 pounds uh, after I was done playing and got back to a normal weight for myself. But a lot of it came just by actually writing down what I was going to eat that day and having a game plan going into it. Because before that, I ate whenever I wanted to. Uh, I had to just to keep weight. And after I was done playing, it just never stopped. So all day, every day I'd eat, I'd overeat. I had no idea how much I should eat, but then I put a plan in place. And all of a sudden within a year, you know, I'm in great shape, look great. People are telling yeah. me I should go back to the NFL. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm yeah. just, uh, I just look like I'm in shape now because I have a plan, but it's the same thing with everything. Yeah. You know, everything in business, in life, if you actually have a game plan and you write it down and you follow it, or you make adjustments because you have a game plan, Mm -hmm. you're going to get to that next level. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I think, um, have you seen the new movie with Will Smith, King Richard? Not yet. Is it a good one? It's so good. It's about, so Will Smith is Venus and Serena's dad, uh, Williams, their dad and their story of how they got to where they are. And it's, it's a fantastic movie and it's good. Um, it's, it's family friendly, highly recommend it. But one of the things he says in that movie and in their bedroom, cause there, there were, I think there were five girls. Uh, so similar to like your story growing up, five girls, they all slept in one bedroom, but he would always say you fail to plan. Um, then you plan to fail. So I love that, that like having a plan, having a, a game plan is going to set you up for success because you go in knowing what needs to be done. You have prepared for it. It's on the calendar. Then you just got to get yourself to show up, right? And do the thing. And, and if you're not hitting your goal too, it allows you to know that you're not and to make adjustments. Yep. And that's same with business. I mean, that was, that was huge. Yeah. That was, that was one of the key things that people I talked to said as well, you know, once you put a forecast budget in place, you then, you then are able to make adjustments. And that's really what takes you to that next level as well. It's just having that plan and executing on it. For sure. Yeah. Well, I, again, congratulations on your success. You've done amazing work so far. And for everybody who is like, I want to know more, I want to get involved. I want an ice shaker for myself. Where can people find you? Where can they get the product? Tell us about how we can learn more. Absolutely. Yeah. Please check me out at Chris Gronkowski. Uh, big on TikTok. Yeah. So we got to do a TikTok together and um, big on Instagram as well, but really on every platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, check out iShaker at iShaker.com. Cool. You guys go get it. Give it to your friends. Give it to your family members. This is like the one product you're going to, you're just going to need one of them as long as you have two hands and you can wash it. That's, that's the wrong way. Um, I'm definitely <laughs> yeah. going to get my hands on one because I have just gotten back into my my workout routine since uh, this since it's the new year, and I'm feeling really good about that. But I need I, I could always use a new new product for my for my shakes and stuff. So I'm going to get my hands on one. You guys, um, thank you for being here, Chris. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge and um, just for for spreading the love. We hope that this was valuable to all of you who are listening. I know and trust that it is. If you want to set yourself up for success, make a plan. Know what you want. Set your goals. Put it on your calendar. Show up. Be disciplined. Delegate. Chris, you just dropped so many, so many good gems and uh, I just appreciate you for being here. 
Thanks so much for having me. All right, you guys. Until next time, spread the love. Go be coachable. Tag Chris and I on Instagram, on TikTok. We'd love to to get to know you, to know what your takeaways were, to see how you're using your ice shaker. Tag us. Um, And go out and be coachable. Share this with somebody that you love. The best way that you can say thank you and and help this show grow is to leave us a five-star review, leave us a five-star rating. Um, This is really how we get the show out to more people and we can continue to deliver uh, value for you for free and bring on incredible guests like this man right here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. See you next week on the Coachable Podcast. You guys, if you love this show, do me a favor. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you feel called, leave a review. I would love to hear how the show is impacting you. But not only that, be a hero to somebody and share it with somebody in your life that needs to hear it. If you're getting value from it, I can guarantee it that someone else that you know would get value as well. And honestly, I wouldn't be here. If somebody didn't share with me a podcast episode a couple years ago that absolutely changed my life and set me on the course that I am today, and I'm eternally grateful for that person, and you can be that person to someone else. So share it, share the love, because you matter, they matter, and what you have to say matters. So I would love to hear if there's something in this episode that really stands out to you and is a ha- aha moment, send me an email to media at torygordon.com. Let me know what it was that stuck out to you. What was your aha moment? Maybe where and around what time in the podcast that really spoke to you because my team and I love to hear that. We love to see and hear exactly what is speaking to your heart and it helps us to serve you better. So please like, subscribe, share. You are helping this podcast continue to grow and get out to larger audiences that can help shape the world and bring more and light, love, and healing to it. So thank you for your contribution and let's get on to the podcast.